In this episode, Bill Swanson describes his career path that took him from a student of executive MBA program at the University of Nebraska at Omaha to become its current director, including responsibility for non-degree offerings. Bill shares the importance of storytelling in effective teaching of professionals and how his business experience helps him to make his stories relevant to his students and his programs more effective. His smooth transition from a private sector to university environment surprised his colleagues, but it was not accidental. Bill also talks about his new programs and future plans. Hello, Bill. Hello, Michaela. How are you today? Oh, great. Thank you for joining us. Bill, to start the interview, I wanted to ask a question. How do you start your career in executive education? Why you were attracted to this industry? It's interesting to me, maybe not interesting to others, but uh, I kind of backed into executive education. I was uh, working at Belmont Industries in Western Douglas County, just outside of Omaha, when I was approached about uh, teaching some classes at the uh, community college in Lincoln, Nebraska. And these classes were related to the purchasing and materials profession, which I was involved with at that particular point in time in my career. I accepted those opportunities and did that for a couple of years. And then it was about that time that I was approached about uh, the possibility of uh, earning my master's degree and actually in the uh, late 1980s had an opportunity to join the executive MBA program at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, a program that I now run. And uh, as a result of that, it uh, allowed me, once I had earned my degree, to expand a little bit more, get more involved with uh, some teaching at the collegiate level, not uh, just uh, community college, and since 1992, I've been teaching a class in the College of Business here at UNO uh, in marketing. And I've had several different uh, teaching assignments in marketing for the college. But in addition to that, it also gave me an opportunity to do some internal teaching at Belmont because I moved from a uh, operations and marketing position into the quality manager position. and so. As a result of that, I did a lot of training with individuals uh, in our operation, and uh, that really hooked me into uh, enjoying delivering the message, if you will, and uh, helping people become more knowledgeable about not only the things that they need to to be successful on their job, but also things that will uh, help them as they uh, develop their career. So that's how it's kind of expanded over the years. And eventually when I left the private sector in uh, mid-1990s and accepted a full-time position here at the university, it, it's lended itself to even more teaching assignments, uh, particularly in higher education and subsequently executive education. It's very interesting. It sounds like you had your the, the two feet kind of into different worlds, but you, you were able to combine them together and cross-pollinate from teaching for the university and also work, working for the company. And so you, it seemed like you were bringing a lot of practical skills to your teaching 
and also academic knowledge to your work. So that that sounds very great. It's very admirable. When you work uh, or uh, when you were kind of in those two worlds, working in, in corporate and in, in academia, did you find that you needed different skills in uh, executive education or uh, business education uh, than you had in corporate world or or not? And also, uh, what skills uh, from corporate were useful for you when you joined academia? You had mentioned something in a previous comment, too, about the practicality and the applied approach to education. And as a practitioner, I found that the best way to go about trying to teach younger people and then subsequently executives about things that they need to know to improve their abilities through executive education is just to provide practical experiences and and tell stories. I know a few years ago I read uh, Daniel Pink's book and he talked an awful lot about how important stories are to convey messages and and I found that that to be very true not only when I was teaching undergraduates, which I still do today, but also when I was making presentations in front of groups. If you can tell the story, if you can help the individual visualize a, a particular situation and walk them through that process, and then ask them, how would you apply your skills and knowledge to address this particular issue? I think that's probably the most important thing that I've learned out of this whole process is that it's wonderful to understand theory and in those kinds of things, the most important thing from an education perspective is how do I then subsequently apply the theory to the issues that I have to address on a daily basis. So it became very easy for me because my teaching style became more practical and applied than it did theory. And fortunately, because of the courses I was teaching, that fit in very, very nicely, particularly in my business-to-business marketing course, whereas I've spent 27 years in the operation sides of business, I was able to take those experiences and convert those into learning opportunities for the people that attended my class. So it was really pretty easy for me. And yet, at the same token, uh, a bit of a surprise to me because when I was getting my education and I finished my executive MBA, I didn't think at all that at some point in time that this is what I'd be doing as a a career. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm very impressed how you were able to move from uh, a student role to leading the center and program over years. And uh, obviously, you've been uh, loyal to the university for a long time. And uh, your storytelling examples uh, sparked my interest too, because it's, it seems like uh, case studies and case study method, it's very successful, has been very successful for years. But also I noticed that most recently programs uh, such as storytelling as a topic emerged in um, business education as well. So people not really have like formal cases where, you know, written by academicians and you, you go dive deeper into different uh, aspects of business and analyze it, but also you have kind of shorter stories that relate to more recent uh, uh, experiences that people have. I will tell you that my teaching style evolved that when I first started teaching the business to business marketing course, because of the lack of experience that I had in, in at least in classroom teaching, is that I followed a lot of the guides that were involved with the textbooks and so on, and there were multiple choice tests and true-false tests, and there were fill-in-the-blank tests. And as I evolved, I found that 
the short answer case study type approach was the best way and then as I continued to move through my career in teaching and particularly the undergrads the approach that we took is that they had two big case studies and those case studies were written about real things that happened to me when I was in the marketing end of, of the business that I was representing but in addition to that they also had a practical project a research project on a local firm in hopes that they would understand that marketing is not just simply marketing to a client sometimes marketing includes marketing and selling an idea or a concept to your company and so a lot of what we did in the classroom was built around these case studies of actual things that I encountered but also the research around a firm and the things you ought to look for not with within a firm that's going to help you decide whether or not you want to uh, do business with this operation or not yeah, it's great. That's uh, this uh, context perspective to any uh, theory, and that, that I think that's just uh, great, and people learn and can relate. Uh, and especially if you bring even local knowledge of local company, that I think uh, is probably the best education people can get in business because they, you know, it's hard to imagine General Electric or maybe General Motors or other companies can know that that might not be in your area. But if you talk to a company you work with and it's still there, I think it just um, ma- makes it a lot. Um, a lot nicer for people to learn from that. It seems like you had a long tenure with the university, and um, I'm sure students love love your stories, and uh, the it's great that you can share them. Um, and um, they can learn from your experience. When you go to work every day, when, when you wake up every morning, what motivates you to go to work? What motivational factors you have to say, you know, I, I want to do this today because of? I've always tried to take a look at what problems do I need to address today, what what priorities do I need to work on, full well knowing that through the course of the day we're going to get uh, interruptions. And uh, in my years in uh, purchasing of materials, uh, when we would uh, manage our operation by exception, uh, it was uh, a, a good tool for me to be able to to remain motivated and say, how am I going to help somebody accomplish what they need to accomplish today, whether it be uh, buying the supplies or the raw materials that they need to produce whatever they need to produce, uh, whether I, I'm giving them education that provides knowledge and skill sets to the individuals so that they can tackle the things that they have to do every day. I think to me the most motivating thing about coming to work on a daily basis is who am I going to help today and how am I going to be able to help them gain the results that they want? Because if, if in fact we can do that, then our job, we're going to be successful in our job and we're going to get the type of results that we're wanting to have, which is we're going to sell more classes, we're going to expand our client base, and we're going to have opportunities to serve the community, whether it be a for-profit or non-profit organization, in a way that is going to allow them to be successful and at the same time value us as a business partner so that they can come back to us in the future and continue to do work with us. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I like this perspective a lot. And uh, many people through interviews with, with us mentioned that this focus on success and helping people to be successful is uh, really what drives the, the whole executive education and business education at, at universities. Looking at, at the center or your role, what does it take to be successful in executive education? We have kind of a unique situation here at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. We have a, a unit within the College of Business that's focus of attention is on training. Uh, training in the sense that they will provide certain types of training for professional certification, certain types of training, and, and how I define training is how to do something as opposed to a strategic management education, which is where we focus our attention in, the, in my center, and, and that's more the strategic, the higher level, the C-suite and above type level of decision-making that goes on in the organization. So that since we have two very distinct and unique units, uh, oftentimes it's interesting about how we have to share information back and forth uh, for potential clients. Maybe my training side has a client that is in need of having their top executives or their next level of executives down uh, have some education, some business acumen. At the same time, I might encounter a client who's looking for uh, some training to help individuals within the organization to uh, better themselves through different types of professional certifications. So we have those two distinct units. Being on the strategic side, what we also focus our attention on is customized programs as opposed to open enrollment programs. However, I will tell you that through some conversations recently, that I've had with uh, CMED colleagues that uh, we're going to take a look at the opportunity of perhaps offering a mini MBA as an open enrollment program uh, in hopes that what we'll be able to do is attract individuals who participate in that program to either refer us to their organization to develop customized programs or to even take a look at the possibility of joining our executive MBA program. So. Our center is relatively small in the sense of the client base that we work with, but what we do is we work with organizations to develop customized programs and leave the quote-unquote training programs to this other unit within our college of business. Well, it's very interesting that you have even like the two units wor uh, working within uh, college of business because uh, from what I know, many universities have continuing education units outside of college of business that kind of do some uh, maybe introductory business courses, and then we usually have executive education centers that focus on maybe a little higher level courses and other things and, and custom programs too. So it's very interesting that you have, and as you mentioned, it's very unique that you have uh, two units within College of Business. And uh, I'm sure having one boss as a dean helps you to work together, be, be collaborative. So that's great. And you mentioned that you work with uh, local clients or uh, maybe uh, national uh, clients too. And what do people look for when they talk to you? What do they want to get out of engagement with you, with your center? Well, I think the first thing that, that they take a look at is the credibility of our organization. I think the AACSB accreditation helps and as a matter of fact, we use that as a tool sometimes in marketing our product just to let them know that the people who will teach in our programs are 
part of the accreditation that we have in the College of Business. Unlike the training side of the business that I mentioned previously, many of those uh, individuals teaching in those training programs are contractors who uh, will contract with that particular unit and deliver a particular topic or particular subject matter. What we use on our customized programs, and, and one of the things we try to use as a selling point, is that we're using the faculty who teach our MBAs and our executive MBA. And why that's really important is that these are individuals who, in fact, are very familiar and comfortable in front of an executive audience. They relate well to the executives. They are more applied-based and really understand the importance of making sure that the audience is interactive in the presentations that are going on. So they're a unique type of individual. We're limited to the number of individuals that we have that fit that category, although I will tell you that through some recent hires, we have hired more and more individuals that will be able to interject into our program uh, from a practical sense. And once again, these will be individuals who are teaching in our graduate program. So we think that that's a real selling point for us. And, uh, and rather than contracting out with individuals, we have people who understand what our mission is, uh, not only as a college, but what our mission is in our center. And by having that available to a client to say, we're going to have graduate level faculty educating your people, that's a real selling point to them. And, and that's part of what they look for, why they come to us. That's very interesting. When you talk to, to faculty, what do you look for primarily? So let's say if you need somebody and you're interviewing faculty for a particular project and they are new to you, what do you look for in them that you know it will, this faculty and, and their expertise will work with a particular client? Well, one of the most important things I think that provides credibility to a faculty member as it relates to business executives is have they had any practical experience in a particular industry or a particular occupation. And I will tell you that the faculty that we use, all of them have had time where they've spent working in the private sector, working for organizations in whatever their area of expertise is, whether it be finance or marketing or IT, and, and that lends credibility to them. And uh, it makes it very, very easy for us when we sit down and we look at Avita. We take a look at not only what their educational background is and what their publications are, but we also take a look to find out whether or not they've actually spent time in the private sector and they've actually been able to apply the things that they would necessarily deliver to a client uh, or a client audience on a related topic. So that is kind of the starting point for us. And then where we go from there is to sit down uh, have discussions. I'm not going to call it an interview, but it's more of discussions to help them understand these are the things we want to accomplish. This is the nature of our audience. And we let them be involved as we develop customized programs for clients. We let the faculty that we want to deliver those topics be involved in the discussions with the client so they can ask specific questions of the client and better understand what needs to be delivered to the client and the client's audience uh, when we come to an agreement on a program. 
It's very interesting. So you're bringing them early in the conversation with clients. So you obviously have have a chat before that, but you bring them earlier, and so they can see what clients' needs are, and uh, clients can see the faculty who will be possibly teaching the program. So they they can probably find a common ground and uh, have even chemistry behind them, right? Between them. Yeah, that's correct. We feel like the most important thing for us to be able to do once we've made it through one or two initial meetings and have built an outline of the topics that we want covered or that they want covered, then what we do is we schedule the meeting with as many faculty members as we possibly can because we think it's it's important for the faculty in each discipline to have a chance to not only have the dialogue with the client, but also to hear the kinds of questions and the kinds of information that's being shared uh, by other faculty members with other disciplines to the client gives us more continuity and a smoother transition from topic to topic when we develop those uh, individual programs. So it seems like you have a very solid uh, approach to this and uh, I'm sure clients love it because they, uh, they can see instructors earlier and they can uh, see how they will work with uh, internal clients too. That's great. Uh, speaking of clients, uh, how do they find you uh, or how do you find them? Uh, I'm sure it's mutual direction that people look for you and they, you look for, for clients. But So how do you find new clients or how do new clients find you? We rely heavily on referrals and we will do multiple projects for certain uh, clients. But at the same token, through some of the connections that we have in the community and we're very, very active in the local chamber of commerce, and other type of civic organizations where if somebody knows that we do these executive education programs, they're more likely to pick up the phone and contact us or they may have a conversation with someone who's familiar with what we do and they're directed to us. So I would say the primary thing is uh, referrals. We do not do a lot of advertising per se because of the customization of our programs. Uh, although we may change that, particularly with the introduction of the open enrollment mini-MBA later this year. And uh, the other thing is is that you can go to the website, Executive Education Exec MBA website, and there's a little bit about it, but the primary, the primary mechanism to get clients to us is through referrals. That's very, very good. So you, you must have a good word of mouth about your work that you get new clients consistently. That's great. And what would you say is the biggest challenge you face or used to face in your role? I think probably one of the biggest challenges that we have is to make sure that the individual faculty members that we put in front of our clients are of the quality that we've mentioned previously. We have had quite a few retirements recently in good faculty we're bringing in a good crew of faculty. But to me, the, the biggest challenge is, is making sure that we can put in front of our clients uh, the very, very best possible presenter of topical material, disciplinary material that's going to be relevant to uh, the audience that we're delivering to. The other piece that I think is just flat out resources and enough time in the day we have a wonderful facility here. We've got three dedicated classrooms in our facility so that we can do multiple uh, deliveries at the same time. Uh, and yet sometimes the three classrooms isn't enough. 
So it's, it's resource-based, making sure that we have enough space and, more importantly, have the right kind of faculty that we can continue to deliver the products that we want or the types of programs that we want to our client base. Definitely. It's because you put your reputation at stake when, when you say, well, this faculty will work great for your need. And sometimes faculty might not understand that fully, that you, you're part of the equation there, too. It's very interesting. What do you consider as your most prominent achievement, either in your role or in previous roles? Probably the transition from the private sector to higher education, personally. I talk to a lot of my colleagues and friends in both sides, and they're not exactly sure how I've been able to make the transition so smoothly. I'm very, very fortunate. I built good relationships with professors here at the university and the administration at the university. Same time, have uh, built some really nice relationships with clientele base and in the community. So. That, that's a, a, a pretty big achievement. We've, uh, we've, on the executive MBA side, which is a little different than the non-credit side, we have uh, pumped life back into our program, and uh, we've had some very good success in recruiting classes. We're a small program by comparison, but the most important thing is, is that we have a very strong group of alumni who want to be active in our program, and that's an achievement that I think under our administration over the last eight years has, uh, has had profound success. And then just the nature of uh, getting the information out to people and letting them understand that the types of programs we want to develop are the types of programs that are going to be very beneficial to them. So I think there's a lot of things. I, I can't put my finger on just one single achievement, but uh, I feel really good about where we've come over the last several years and, and just whole development and understanding what clients need and, and having long-term contracts, which I think in itself states that you've been doing something right and your clients are uh, happy with the work you've provided to them. Well, yeah, it's very good, very good sign of uh, your successes. And speaking of successes, I'm sure well, m- many of us came across of individuals that gave some advices uh, to us that possibly uh, changed our lives. And I was wondering if you can recall any of the advice you received in the past that was life-changing for you, made a substantial impact in your career. I remember when I was back at Valmont Industries, and uh, this was this person wasn't my direct supervisor, but he was the president of our division, and he was the type of individual that even if he weren't a direct report, he was open to have discussions with individuals. And I actually kind of dubbed him my mentor, but he gave me an opportunity. He asked me one day what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I told him that I wanted to have profit and loss responsibility. And he happened to be on the National Advisory Board of our College of Business at that time. And he said, I've got a program for you if you're willing to make the commitment to go back and get your education. He was the one that supported me in the executive MBA program. And I will tell you that joining the executive MBA program in 1989 and graduating in 1991 was, the, was for me, one of the biggest professional turnarounds or had the most professional impact on the rest of my career. More importantly, it gave me the confidence that there wasn't anything that I couldn't tackle. Yes, there may be some technical things that I don't understand, but because of the reasoning skills and the analytical skills that I had developed, 
that I could identify people that could help me make those types of decisions and didn't have to rely on, on my own knowledge base to do that. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to travel more internationally than I ever had before. So I think that probably is the, the most significant thing is when he said to me, if that's what you want to do, I've got a program for you if you're willing to commit the time and the effort. And that was the, a big difference maker for me career-wise. Yeah, it sounds like it was a life-changing event for you, but it uh, started with a simple question that you had uh, tenacity to ask uh, this individual, and it made a connection probably to what they knew about the program that, that they suggested to you. So it sounds very interesting to me how these conversations led to, to something that uh, to, brought you to, to a higher level. I agree. Very good. Thank you for sharing. Speaking of advice, what advice would you give to people starting their career in executive education? Well, I think the most important thing that you have to remember is that relationship building is extremely important. And when in my days as a, a purchasing manager and materials manager, one of the things that I felt was really important is to make sure that I had good relationships with my suppliers good relationships with the people who worked with me and for me. And the approach I took is I wanted to be fair, but I also wanted to be firm. And to me, through those relationships, how it's helped me in executive education is that I have relationships with, cli with clients and companies that we do business with. I have a relationship with my faculty, and I have a relationship with my administration here and of course the people who work for me. And being willing to share, being open and honest, being fair and yet firm, I think are the critical pieces in allowing us to be successful. And I can't help believe that, that some of the successes that we've had, particularly in executive education, are a result of not only developing the strong partnership and relationship, but also persevering. And a good marketing and salesperson never takes no for an answer until they feel like they've exhausted all the opportunities. And I will tell you that uh, two recent clients that we've added to our list, we've been working on for several years now, and now we have an opportunity to demonstrate what we're capable of doing. And so I'm hoping that that will be another relationship that we'll be able to build and, uh, and have success on in the future. Thank you for sharing this perspective. Earlier, you, you mentioned that you met uh, people at the CMET conference. It's a conference of management and executive development and uh, built some relationships and uh, started to think about uh, potentially offering uh, mini MBA or other open enrollment programs. And uh, I just w wanted to ask you uh, just uh, if you could share your experience with this conference and what did you learn, what people you, you met, how did you get acquainted with this conference? The I had talked to, uh, I mentioned earlier that we had a program here at the university in the College of Business that was uh, dedicated to training, and I happened to be talking to the individual who ran that group, and we were talking about different types of conferences going to, and uh, somehow CMED came up in that conversation. And then it was reinforced uh, a few months later when I had a conversation with an individual who was here at the university as part of a team on accreditation. This individual was from Michigan and she happened to mention CMED and so I decided that I was going to investigate and find a little bit more out about this CMED group. I attended my first conference in Florida and had an opportunity to meet with quite a few individuals who 
had similar types of situations that we did, that uh, they were small to moderate size uh, operations and that they had some challenges along the way. And from that, there were two or three individuals that, you know, you go to those types of things and, and you really connect with and click with. So over time, continued to stay in contact with those individuals uh, periodically and uh, decided to go to my next CMED conference. And to me, what it provided was not only an opportunity to share ideas of things that we found successful, learn ideas from others on things that maybe we had considered or not considered, and yet we ought to think about in interjecting those into our philosophy on, on executive education, and then just to have the opportunity to uh, meet more people and interact with them. And it's, it's interesting how small the world is sometimes when you start to sit down and talk to people. And uh, Kelly Kirshner, for example, and I met a few years ago, and then we found out that a fellow that was working with Kelly uh, used to be at our institution back in the 50s and 60s. And so, you know, those kinds of connections have been really, really helpful. And, and I have found that the relationships that, are, that I've built and continue to build with the CMED group uh, very valuable as we continue down the path of expanding our uh, management education programs. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing this story. We are getting closer to the end of our interview. So we've been talking for, about the job for a long time. I was wondering what interests do you have outside of your main job? Well, of course, family is extremely important to me. I have a, a wonderful wife and two wonderful children, and I have two grandsons and a third grandchild on the way. And so uh, I spend a lot of time or as much time as I can with family. Uh, over the years, my wife has been able to convince me that gardening and yard work isn't such a bad deal. <laughs> and while, I, while I'm uh, primarily the mower of the lawn and I do the, the heavy lifting, if you will, I'll dig the holes, she'll plant the plants. Uh, I've really started to enjoy being outside and being in, in, in the yard doing that type of thing. I like to play golf. I'm not very good at it, but I hope at some point in time I'll be able to play some more golf as I start to ride into the sunset, if you will. <laughs> but those are things that are extremely important to me. And then uh, both of my children were collegiate athletes, and so we have followed sports for a long, long time, and uh, we still go to hockey games and basketball games and football games and those types of things. So I've got a few interests out there, and people ask me at some point in time, they, you know, you're not going to continue to do this, and I say no, and, and one of the things I want to do when I get to that retirement age is I want to start painting, and not painting houses, I want to paint in oils, and I'm uh, really big on landscapes, and so I want to try to do some of that as well. I don't have much time for it now, but at some point in time, hopefully will. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing. I also enjoy enjoy gardening, and I think it's a great, just great experience to be outside and grow plants, grow trees, and, and then they, they bloom, and they, you know, they bring fruits later on, too, so just very interesting hobby that, that, that you mentioned. And uh, painting definitely is, is something that uh, I've, I've long admired. Thank you very much for your time today. And to conclude, do you have any, any other, other thoughts and any ideas you wanted to share with our audience? I think the most important thing to, to take away on this is that we talked a little bit about CMED and the value of CMED. And I think it's important for people to look for organizations like CMED where 
you have people coming together with similar issues and utilize those resources to help you address your particular issues and gain new ideas for things that are going to make your center even stronger. I've mentioned partnerships and relationships and, and I genuinely believe that those are the most important things that you can develop in these kind of roles because you show your value and you are given opportunities through those partnerships and relationships to demonstrate what you're actually capable of doing. And I think that's extremely important. Oh, Bill, thank you very much for sharing. And I look forward to continue talking to you, the senior at the CMED and learning about programs and your new successes and also about your hobbies and your successes there. Thank you very much and have a nice day. Thank you, Mikola. You do the same. Until next time, this is the Succeed Podcast from Pred. Pred.